Welcome to this message from Shofar Christian Church. May you experience God's grace as you listen to His Word being preached. For this morning, I was considering to, to share around the Word that I shared last week, Sunday, um, at, 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 in the evening at Santon, but felt God not, not wanting me to share that specifically. But I do feel that it is very much... At this time of year, it's always a good time to kind of reflect over the year that has gone by and what is God leading you specifically into, into the year ahead. So I want to encourage you, go and, uh, on our website or on podcast, you can go and listen to last week's sermon. Right in the beginning of the year, I had a sermon that's, that was entitled, So What? Meaning as in sow and reap. So what? Okay, so you reap what you sow, that kind of a thing. All right, and then last week we, I just had the conversation about, let's do a little bit of a giving an account exercise about what did you want to sow, did you sow that, and what did you reap? Now, obviously, not everything you're going to reap in 12 months' time when it comes to kingdom things, but the principle holds, holds true. And at the end of the year, it's a good time to kind of just have that kind of a conversation with yourself and with God. So go and listen to that. That'll help you during this Christmas, New Year's transition into the new year, just to kind of recalibrate about what is God telling you specifically to focus on in the new year and then to be good stewards of that. But for this morning, um, I specifically feel God just, um, I think the title is up there, is Seek First. Um, and um, let's, let's read from Matthew 6, verse 33. But seek first his kingdom and his righteousness, and all these things will be given to you as well. Now, I think if you've been in church long enough, all of us kind of know or have heard this scripture. First seek the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all these things will be added to you. Um, there's a very key word there, but, which means that it. It, there's something that precedes this verse. There's something that, that this verse almost kind of concludes on. Um, so we are going to kind of scroll back up into this specific scripture to go and see what is the context of this conversation, what is the context of this, of this verse specifically. Now, if we go back up to verse 25, it says there, Therefore I tell you, do not worry about your life, what you will eat or drink, or about your body, what you will wear. Now, that's a little bit further up. But once again, if, whenever you read, specifically in English, if you read the word there, therefore, you've got to ask the question, what is it there for? Okay? Did you get that? All right. Everybody's like, quiet. Am I supposed to laugh or am I not supposed to laugh? <laughs> yes, you may laugh. Okay? You, you need to ask the question, what is it there for? Meaning... That, that is also, if, if, who, who are lawyers here? Anybody that studies law? Wow, they're all on holiday. Ah, uh, you told me, why you don't put up your hand? Alright, never mind. Okay, it'll only make sense to you then, so I'm not gonna use that example. Okay. Uh, but in legal jargon, there's also all, all these kind of subsections. You need to kind of figure out what is it saying if you scroll all the way back up. But it's similar like this. And where it says, yeah, therefore, it means that, once again, there's something that actually precedes this conversation. Now, this is this whole chapter, or three chapters, really, is um, Jesus' Sermon on the Mount. Very, this is the first time he's kind of getting up to preach. And he's, um, he preaches, like, 20 sermons in one go. 
Um, and, and this is one of them. So we're going to just scroll back up to verse 19. Okay? So just to give you other context, before verse 19, he has a conversation about um, fasting, when you fast. Before that, he teaches the disciples, when you pray, pray our Father, pray like this. Our Father, he needed a, I don't know how many series um, sermon on the Our Father. Very good. You can go and download it, listen to it. And then the preceding one there is also um, when you pray or um, giving to the needy as well. Right. So that is all the context that precedes this. And then it says here in verse 19, it says, Do not store up for yourselves treasures on earth where moths and vermin destroy and where thieves break in and steal. But store up for yourselves treasures in heaven where moths and vermin do not destroy, and where thieves do not break in and steal. For where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. The eye is the lamp of the body. If your eyes are healthy, your whole body will be full of light. But if your eyes are unhealthy, your whole body will be full of darkness. If then the light within you is darkness, how great is that darkness. No one can serve two masters. Either you will hate the one and love the other, or you will be devoted to one and despise the other. You cannot serve both God and money. Therefore, I tell you, do not worry about your life. What you will eat or drink or about your body, what you will wear, is not life more than food and the body more than clothes. Look at the birds of the air. They do not sow or reap or store away in barns, and yet your heavenly Father feeds them. Are you not much more valuable than they? Can any one of you, by worrying, add a single hour to your life? And why do you worry about your clothes? See how the flowers of the field grow. They do not labor or spin. Yet I tell you that not even Solomon in all his splendor was dressed like one of these. If that is our God, clothes the grass of the field, which is here today and tomorrow is thrown into the fire, will he not much more clothe you, O you of little faith? So do not worry, saying, What shall we eat, or what shall we drink, or what shall we wear? For the pagans run after all these things, and your heavenly Father knows that you need them. And then we get to verse 33 saying, but seek first his kingdom and his righteousness, and all these things will be given to you as well. Therefore, do not worry about tomorrow, for tomorrow will worry about itself. Each day has enough trouble of its own. And this morning, I, I really um, I really just have it on my heart. It's not, it's not an overcomplicated message. <laughs> okay? it's, really, it's really a simple message. And, and I believe the message should be quite simple and understandable. <laughs> I laugh at Andy Stanley. He says, like, people sometimes blame him to come across as not, he, he sometimes comes across as very narrow-minded or very simple. But he, he expresses it in such a way. He says that he looks at it differently. It's just like, um, it's just because when he communicates, he communicates very clear. Okay, I mean, so this morning, I'm going to try and not get mixed up in too many scenarios, but to actually just, just distill it down to one or two things here this morning. And for me, the scripture is, is such a powerful depiction of 
Let's bring this fast forward out of that context into our context. They talk about they not worrying about food and clothes, uh, what you will eat, what you will wear. What is, what is the basic needs that we as human beings have? The very basic. If you distill it down, no, an iPhone is not one of them. Um, oh, <laughs> all right. It's clothes, security, safety, and food. Okay, water kind of goes in, in the mix with, with food as well. Shelter, security, shelter, security safety, those kind of go together, food and, and ideally clothes. Um, that's the basic, very basics of what we need. And, and for at large, the audience that I'm speaking to here at the moment, we've got excess of everything. And for most part, we worry about how do we keep all of that excess safe? <laughs> okay, I was a bird. Uh, okay, so what I just want to just say that there's one thing that we we teach in the parenting course, and if you're a parent or planning on being a parent, the parenting course is really an amazing, amazing discipleship tool for you as a parent, for you as a couple, um, but also um, for just the tool equipping you to to parent and disciple your children. So I'd encourage you to come and do the parenting course next year if you if you're in that space. But one of the things that, that, we, that we talk about is norms and values. And, and, and what Christine and I deliberately try to do with our children is to expose them to different cultures, different settings, where somebody else's norms and values is not our norms and values. For example, a lot of us, I'm not saying all of us, a lot of us grew up with the understanding that we should have, in our home, we should have two cars and a home with a bedroom for each child and ice cream in the fridge, freezer. Amen. Amen. <laughs> Preach. Uh, um, for a lot of us, that we grow up with it. There's nothing wrong with that, okay? I'm just, I'm, I'm just saying that that is, for a lot of us, that is our norm. And when we raise our children without exposing them to different norms, they grow up thinking that that is their right. It's my right to have a car. It's my right to have a phone. It is my right to have ice cream in the freezer. And if it's not there, mom, why is is it not there? And so we need to teach our children... um, Different norms and values. And one thing that I'm so proud of our kids is with regards to delayed gratification. Um, Elaine is getting, is, she's getting this now. Um, what, what did she do the other day? Oh, um, oh yes. I said that we can, we can maybe watch a movie this evening. Uh, can go and rent out a movie. And so I told her, okay, so, I saw at the DVD store, if we rent this DVD on Monday, then we can get a older DVD for free, for three days. So I was like, okay, so I can stick to my word and say we can go and take out the DVD today and watch it this evening, or we can wait another day and you get two. She's six years old, by the way, if you, if, if you haven't seen her. And she's like, okay, now we'll wait till Monday. I'm like, yeah, you, you're getting it. <laughs> Um, Amy Louise, the two-year-old on the other side, 
um, during the course of the week, now we, we've got like a countdown kind of a thing going with uh, with regards to un- until Christmas Day. So they get like this chocolate thingy out of out of this thing every day. One. Now, now I told her, "Are you going to share with me?" And initially, she was like, "No." Um, I said, "If you share with me, then I'll share mine with you as well." Mine was like this, and hers was like this. So she made that some very quickly. It's like. So the second day, I asked her, are you going to share with me? She's like, huh? And you can, you can you could literally see her making the sums. Like, it was like three seconds. She's like, yes, I'm going to share it with you. <laughs> um, I don't know why I'm sharing that with you. It's just a funny story. But anyway, teaching our children exposure to different norms and values. Um, a couple of years ago, we went to Live Village. And um, we uh, Live Village is, uh, for those who weren't here last week, is a foster care, cluster foster care orphanage kind of a setup uh, outside of Durban. I think they're starting one out, out here at Lanseria as well. Um, so we took, it's a family-friendly mission. We took our children with, well, Amy Louise wasn't born yet, but we took Elaine with, deliberately exposing her to how, that, that the way we live is a very privileged way of living. And uh, and, and most people in the world don't live like this. Um, so it's just a shifting of norms and values and what we treasure, etc. But coming back, coming back to this specific scripture, I want to I want to encourage us that we often we worry about a whole lot of stuff that God says I've got it covered, and we worry about the stuff in excess because that is where our treasure is. That is what our heart really longs for. Because the scripture says that where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. So, and, and, and this, is, this is a good time of the year to do introspection in these kinds of things. What, what are you living for? What are you chasing? Are you chasing promotion? Are you tra- chasing, I'm not saying those things are bad, all right? That scripture says, but first, Seek his kingdom and his righteousness. It doesn't say do not seek the other things. It says do not worry about them, but first seek his kingdom and his righteousness, and then you can kind of work, work at the other stuff. So I want to submit to you that whether you're a student, whether you're at school, whether you are in, in whether you're working, whether you're at, at home with the children, Whatever your scope is, I want to submit to you that your first priority is his kingdom, or should be his kingdom. Okay, and 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 I and I obviously I I worked in corporate for for five years, and 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 I, and I get it that we want to excel our careers. Okay, um, and when you. When, often when, when pe- I hear people say that I want to excel it for God. Um, and, and there's, there's, there's truth to that as well. But I want to say that if you, if you have a family and you're, and you're, and you're the father and the husband, you cannot chase career at the cost of the kingdom of God, both at your work and at home. And there's a balance that you need to strike. And my balance is not going to be your balance. It's not going to be your balance. That's, that's something you need to figure out with God about how much time do I need to spend where? At work, at home, that kind of a thing. 
Um, I remember like the very first year that I was in Johannesburg, was doing first years of articles, um, auditing. Uh, I was also doing my honors in the same year, got married at the end of that year. Praise God, I passed my honors that year. Um, and uh, it was a hectic year, but I knew that God wanted me to study that year. So I, I had classes three evenings a week from 6 to 10, stayed in Kempton Park, office was in Houghton, had class in Randburg, drive all the way back. So, so I was like literally a zero when it came to church life. Um, and, uh, but I managed that expectation as well. I told Yaku, who was the pastor at that time, Yaku, I'm a member in your church, but I'm not, I just don't have the capacity to be, to be very involved this year. I'll be there on Sundays. Um, but other than that, this is what God wants me to focus on this year. So in different seasons, it's going to look different for you. It's going to look different from the one to the other. Okay. So don't compare it to the person next to you. But at the same time, the question remains the same. What are you seeking first? And what is your treasure? And the way to, the way to evaluate what is your treasure doesn't mean that you must do anything else. It just means that you need to do what you're doing out of a different stance. Now, what I've kind of discovered is, and, um, like, especially the, I say the previous generation, I mean, like my, my dad, um, the, one of the primary values that that generation, or at least that culture in that generation kind of pursued is financial security and stability for me and my family. And I see that, and I see that in the next generation that that moves, um, to one of two things. That you see a lot more fathers my kind of age, between 30 and 40, being very involved with their children, which is good. But there's another, there's another one as well, is where I see, um, the, like a young, coming out of university up into 30, 40, people just living for adventure. I just want to see every country that there is in the world. I want to, um, do I, do I hit one or two nails on the head? Yeah, I see some people are. But it's, and it's not, it's not, um, it's not unique to, to you as an individual. It's, I see that in the generation. Now there's nothing wrong with wanting to go and see all of that. There's nothing wrong with having good job security and providing for your family. Those are all godly principles. The only thing that I'm kind of just, throwing out there, is, are you doing that because you're seeking God first, or are you going there and saying, God, will you come with me? To, to, same, same, you're doing the same thing, but it's doing it out of a different stance. It's like the one God is leading you, the other one you leading God, in a sense. Not that you can lead God, but you, you understand what I'm saying. Um, so when you go to work on Monday, tomorrow, um, I want to submit to you that you are not there primarily to earn a salary. That is a bonus. You are there to establish God's kingdom. And you're getting paid for it. Amen. Yeah. <laughs> if you're a teacher, you are teaching children and you're getting a salary, but that is a means to an end. That is to seek His kingdom and His righteousness in that context. First. And yes, you are going to teach. And if you're an accountant, yes, you're going to count some beans. And if you're an engineer, you're going to build some stuff and break some stuff. And 
If you're lawyers, you're going to argue with some people. Um, <laughs> so bring it back to, to your context. Um, if you're a parent, it's not just about getting them grown up. It's about getting them to follow Jesus. I had a conversation with Philip Jergens. He, he was leading the, the team to Tanzania. You guys came back a week ago, two, two weeks ago. They came back, and uh, yes, it was just such a the conversation we had. I asked him what was what what kind of stood out for you. What was sorry, I'm stealing your testimony, Philip. Um, but and and he just he just said that one of the one of the moments for him was when he at one stage he kind of he just took a back seat at some stage, and he was looking at the team. I think both of you, Shauna and Philip, was kind of sitting together, and they were leading the team. But they kind of just took a back seat and was looking at how the team was running, how the team was operating, and how the, how they are enjoying it. And I want to say as a, as a father and as, a, and, and as one of the pastors in the congregation, I, I get the biggest kick out of things when, when things work and I had nothing to do with it. <laughs> um, or maybe something, but um, not in the moment. Where, where things happen, when worship is amazing and some, and people bring words and somebody else is, is starting to preach and God is just using them. That for me is like, yeah. Um, and, uh, and it's amazing. I, I remember being at school and it's one of the things that God used to develop my character, um, was cricket. I played a lot of cricket. I was captain, um, and, and, for for the cricket team, and if you captain of a cricket team, you you don't just bat or bowl. You you kind of have to be switched on during the whole game because you need to do the field placements. You need to decide who's going to bowl when and all sorts of stuff. It's just amazing when that when you put the right bowler on and you can see a weakness in the batsman and you put a fielder at a certain place and they and and it just works. And it's and it's a mo- it's moments like that in the kingdom of God as well. When, when God is moving through other people, um, and, and especially if it's your own children, your own family, it's just it's so, so fulfilling. So what I want to encourage you guys as parents, or even if you're not parents, you are, when we dedicate the children, yeah, we as a congregation, we're like, yes, we're backing you and we'll raise the child with you. I want to encourage us all to, to really invest in that next generation. We've started with youth um, a couple of months ago. Um, and we've started it in June, ach, in June, in September, um, as to gain some momentum in this area so that when we go into the new year that we will, um, can launch it and, and go in, into the new year with momentum and not start on a clean slate. And it's amazing to have seen the moment we started, and youth I'm talking about kind of from 12 to, to 18, um, the moment we started with those services, it grew, the, the youth grew from five to twenty in two or three months time. And that wasn't like, that, that was just literally just having a net there and, and people coming and staying because we actually, um, making an effort with the youth. Why did I tell you that story? Youth, next generation, invest in the next generation. Amen. Okay. We're almost there. Alright, so, the thing is, where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. And and I've kind of had this conversation now about just 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 tipping the scale and evaluating 
How, how do you evaluate where your heart is? You look at where do you invest your time, money, and effort in. That doesn't mean, okay, most of you will be working, so that doesn't mean that is necessarily where your treasure is. But in order to put the kingdom first, it doesn't mean you come work for the church. Amen? For some of us, it means that. <laughs> uh, because you're going to follow Jesus in, in, in that context. For others, it's taking the kingdom of God into that context. Amen? All right, so I know, I know it's difficult sometimes in, in the workplace and, and in certain spheres you can't have certain conversations, but I've been there and you can work your way around it. The key is, and I love what Janine said earlier, is that they're going to Bhutan with a motive of loving people. And I want to encourage you to go to work, go to school, go to university with a motive of loving people. Yes, pass your degree. Yes, do your work well. Don't, don't jippo on that because, oh, no, I'm here for the kingdom. Funny story. I, I made that mistake. Okay, don't do the same. Uh, when I went to study, I went to study accounting in, in Stellenbosch. I was like fired up for God. I was like, I want to like, I want to preach at anything that moves and that doesn't move. Um, so I went to Stellenbosch University and I picked Hellswichter because that's the only raised name that had either heaven or hell in it. And I figured Hellswichter must need Jesus. So I went to Hellswichter. Um, so I got involved in res. I got involved in the youth. We just started the youth ministry in, in Stellenbosch. So I got involved in that. And I went to study accounting because I felt God wanting me to go and study accounting. I, I, like, I had a desire for ministry, but I wasn't sure that God called me for that. But I specifically felt God leading me to go and study accounting. So I was very involved in church. I was very involved in youth. I was very involved in res. I was not so much involved in my academics. Um, so I failed my first year miserably, okay, like terribly. So much so that for those guys that are studying at Stellenbosch, you need a certain amount of credits to go to second year. And it's not much credits that you need to stay at university, and I didn't even get that. Um, so this university told me, okay, no, you can't come back. So I went back, I went to study through UNISA, caught up some subjects, went back to Stellenbosch, and then I finished my degree. Okay, so I, I learned the hard way. Okay, so you can, you can throw this out of balance in the wrong way as well. Generally, I see people throwing it on the, on the other side of the spectrum. I threw it completely out, outside the other way. But there's a midway of, God, what is it that you're wanting me to do? I'm going to do it excellently, but I'm also going to be there to build your kingdom. How do we build your kingdom? Yes, we do our work excellently, but that doesn't stop there. It is about taking the love of Jesus and the good news of the message of the cross to people. Now, some people are more difficult to take that to, so, that, so do it in a wise way. And that's where Alpha is going to be a, is a good tool to kind of bridge that gap to people's hearts because you're not inviting them to church per se. Yes, it's a church event, but you, if, if that colleague of yours are not going to go to a formal Alpha run by the church, then take the material and you run it with that person and another person in your own home. We want to give you guys tools to, to use. You don't have to use this. Use whatever works. Um, I remember working with a Muslim Muslim uh, colleague, um, and, and it's amazing how God sets up conversations with, with people. Um, are we, I'd, I'd normally, normally drive with one of the guys, or they'll drive with me to the client. And if they drive with me, inevitably there's going to be worship music in the car. And I deliberately do that. Um, and, and, and yes, for some people it can be offensive, but I don't do it to offend people. I do it to open up a conversation. 
and it works. Um, most of you got a present um, like that coffee mug that we gave you. I can guarantee you that's going to spark some conversations if that is your at work mug. Okay, um, it says on the mug if you if if you want, I think we still have some if you want to get some, but it says there what is it? It says our values. It says power of belief, purpose to pursue, passion for Jesus, people to serve, um, and it says we're a show family. Okay, so it is going to open up conversations. We used to I don't know many of you might still have it. We got this little globe. Um, that a couple of years ago we, we were praying for the nations and each small group had this little, not, not like a globe, a art bowl, uh, like a sponge kind of a earth bowl. Okay. <laughs> um, that thing as well. You leave that on your desk, people are going to start asking questions. Um, I remember last, last one and then I'm going to move to the next point and, and finish up. I remember, um, Raising funds to go on missions. 2012, we went, as a congregation, we went to Rwanda. Um, now, if you know Rwanda's history, hectic history with the genocide and stuff uh, in the 90s. So we went to, to, to Rwanda to go and do legacy. Some of you were on the team. And, and our legacy deals with sonship and about certain influences that forms your identity I can imagine how hectic that must be in a country like Rwanda doing a legacy with people who the one's neighbor slaughtered the other neighbor's son or whatever. This is intense. Anyway, it's not the point. Um, so we raised funds to go on missions. Now, most of us, either a lot of us have good jobs, so we fund ourselves or whatever. I'm an article clerk. No, I was still in articles. No, I was still in auditing. So... Um, I raise funds, I stand, and I start selling rusks. Now, my mom used to bake a lot of rusks for us. Now, my wife, my mom taught my wife. It's amazing. <laughs> it's a legacy. Um, but, so my mom, so I got my mom on board with this. So, so I was, throughout articles, I would, I would normally have like a daily Tupperware of rusks which I'd eat and I'd share it with, uh, with my audit team. And uh, so a lot of people would have tasted it already. So now I'm starting to raise funds for missions, and I'm like, okay, guys, I'm going to sell, I'm gonna sell some, some of these rusks. Uh, we're going to go to Rwanda. Who of you are keen to, to, to partner with me? I sold 80 kilograms of rusks, um, and some of it to Muslims, some of it to Hindus, funding me to go on missions. It's amazing. One of the one of the partners at the auditing firm, um, he bought 15 kilograms of, of rusks because he does prison ministry and he normally takes biscuits with to him, with him to to the anyway. So I sold it for 150 rand per kilogram. One of the guys was like, dude, this is like I can get this for a lot cheaper at Woolworths. I'm like, no, go get it at Woolworths. They're not raising funds to go on missions. I am, and then he, and then they and then they buy it anyways. So. Um, Point, point being, that opened up so many conversations with people from different religions saying, okay, where are you going? What are you going to do? And they want to know what happened when you come back. Um, and, and, and it's amazing how we can use something simple like rusks to actually just open up the door to actually start having conversations with people who would not normally actually be open, open for the gospel. And uh, for some of us, we are... It's interesting that Christmas time is 
is some of the most chaotic times in the world or in this country. When it comes to suicide rates, when it comes to alcohol abuse, drug abuse, those kinds of stuff. Um, and, uh, and, and some of us are going to family who you don't really see eye to eye. Um, and, and, and some, I'm saying some. Some of you have, have, have a very blessed family and you, you, you get along with your family well. But some of you are face, having to kind of face, um, face up to, to certain challenges this holiday. And, and I want to, I want to just encourage you, um, this morning to, to go into that Christmas lunch, dinner, or wherever you're going to be, or when you're going to be with your family or friends, to actually go into that time standing in faith and praying for the people. And I want to say, don't, maybe you've done this in the past and you've tried to throttle the gospel down their throats and it doesn't work, then, then back up a bit, <laughs> okay? Um, if you do it out of the intention of love, think about how can I love this person? Love will unlock that door. Don't hit them first with the gospel. Hit them first just with love. And if, they, if, if you communicate love to them, they will start to trust you. And once they trust you, then the conversation can start to flow about who is Jesus in your life? Why are you so passionate about Jesus? Why do you really think Jesus is alive? Um, so go into this, this holiday prayerfully. But also when you come back in the new year, um, in the new year, Johannesburg, traditionally speaking, a lot of new people come into Johannesburg. You get new neighbors, you get new colleagues, uh, new people at university. Be on the lookout for them and start praying intentionally for, for these people. Okay, so second last thing. So what worries you? Some of the things are legitimate concerns, legitimate things that we worry about. It's our health. It's our child's health. It's our family's health. Um, it is our finances, where we're going to get uh, money for school fees or, or, or whatever. Um, what is it that worries you? I'm not saying those, those needs and those things that you are worrying about are illegitimate needs. And Scripture doesn't either say that it is illegitimate needs. It says there that your Father in heaven knows that you need all these things. Okay, but first things first. First, with his kingdom. What, is, what, is a king, what, what does a kingdom mean? It means that is where the king rules. And, and it's amazing some of these words that came out and the tongue that came out earlier, a lot in line with it about, is, is Jesus the king of your heart? Because if he's the king of your heart, then your treasure will be in Jesus. Because the scripture says that your, where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. So if your, your heart belongs to Jesus, your treasure is in Jesus, then it's just so much easier to, to have him as him to rule. Now, within the context of the kingdom, it, it, I mean, it's, it's, such a, it's such a deep and, and wide topic, just the kingdom of God. But it means that if the kingdom of God is in you, it, it shapes you from the inside out. It, it changes your identity. It's that, that you are loved. Who you are gets changed. It, he redefines you. You are loved. You are his child. But it also changes us, our character, the way that we do stuff. And it also changes what we do sometimes. 
And I want to encourage us that, yes, we must leave a godly legacy. And Proverbs also talks about leaving an inheritance for our children. as all godly, good principles. I want to say we don't strive after those things first. We don't seek after those things first. The gospel also says that whoever leaves behind mother, father, or whatever possessions will have their reward in heaven. So we live with an eternal, with eternity in mind. Um, there's the only, the only thing that we can take with us to heaven is what? It's other people. We can't take our wealth. We can't take our degree or our car or our home or our bigger home or our ice cream, our excess or our lack. We're not taking that stuff with. So whether you have a lot or whether you have nothing, you can take other people with. And the biggest treasure that is in each and every one of our hearts that goes, that transcends all earthly possessions is the treasure that we have in Christ. The fact that we are accepted in Christ. And that's why Amri and them are going to Bhutan is to, is to go and tell people in Bhutan that. But I can guarantee you they're doing that here as well. Um, and uh, let's, let's, let's first seek his kingdom. And for, for the one person, it's gonna, it's gonna, in different seasons, it's going to be and look and feel different. But the place of what we revolve our lives around should remain the same at all times. And sometimes we are in a good space and it's amazing and everything is going according to plan. And other times it feels like our world is falling apart. But Jesus should remain central to when we are in the, in the ups and the downs. Whether we are desperate or whether we are just over the moon. Um, is that Jesus remains constant and that he remains central to our lives, that he is the king. And what does his righteousness mean? It means a lot, but in essence, being righteous means to be in right standing with God. Meaning that we weren't righteous. Uh, I was full of sin. Jesus washed me clean. And now I'm righteous. Now I'm holy because of the blood of Jesus. So first things first is there. If we seek his righteousness, if we seek to be in right standing with God, then we seek to make Jesus our Lord and our Savior. And from that place, everything, everything changes. And it's, a, it's an inside-out kingdom. We can't now go leave here this morning and think, okay, I'm going to now do a whole lot of stuff differently. It's a good intention, but start by allowing God to change in the inside. Because it's, it's an inside-out kingdom. You can't work from the outside in. Doing external things to change you in the inside doesn't work. Tried it, been there, done it, doesn't work. You need to surrender to the king. And from that place of being accepted and loved by God, regardless of our mistakes, regardless of our successes, it's from that place where, where God then comes in and changes who we are, the way we see ourselves, our actions, and what we do. Thanks for listening to this message from Shofar Johannesburg. May the grace you receive produce God's greatest glory and your greatest good. 
For more information and sermons, please visit our website at www.shofar.jobberg.com.